Hello, welcome to the E5 Fitness Podcast episode 11. Um, and today I've got one of my clients on, John. Um, most of you, or some of you might have, might have seen John and, and sort of followed some of John's progress. Um, John, John got diagnosed with Parkinson's 2022, I believe. And with it being Parkinson's Women's Month, I thought we'd go through sort of his journey between where he first started and where he is now and how he sort of had the Parkinson's diagnosis halfway through and um, dealt with it really. Um, and I think as you listen to this, you'll realise how much of a an inspiring person John actually is um, and how as a coach and client relationship goes, it's, 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 a, it's a unique one for sure. Um, so I hope you enjoy it. Um, comment, share, like, follow, do what you need to do. And here's John. <laughs> John, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, okay, good point. What have you been up to today? Uh, I was had a day out with uh, two of the grandkids, the two granddaughters. Took them up to the park to see some of the animals. And uh, there's quite a lot of squirrels in the in the wooded area, so it's nice for the kids to get out in nature and see these things rather than be sat, you know, as we are now looking at a screen. <laughs> yeah, just give them an iPad and then just crack on. Um, yeah, actually see what a squirrel looks like they've just seen on TV. Exactly, and they don't know how to behave in front of animals and things, you know. So it's all it's all a teaching them the things that they don't get the opportunity unless you're out there. You don't get the opportunity to learn. Hmm. Um, so obviously, um, we've worked together what now four and a half years. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. It was from yeah, because this week I've been living in this this house five years. So um, yeah, okay, I signed up about six months after I'd moved here. Perfect. And um, obviously, your journey didn't start with me. So do you want to just uh, talk us through how or yeah, why yeah, um, you started? I've I've always struggled with my weight. And I had various attempts to lose weight uh, through uh, my 30s and very early 40s and sort of stuttered away. And each time a bit more weight went on and I got heavier and heavier. Um, in the space of a few days, I weighed myself at 28 stone. At the same time, roughly within a day or so, when going to the toilet, I was struggling to wipe my own backside. It was a fingertips job. And for me, that was the absolute smack in the face that I needed to, you know, that I had to do something. So the first thing I, I did, because, you know, I, I understood the energy in versus energy out. And as long as I was in, you know, an energy deficit, the calorie deficit, so to speak, I'd lose weight. So I tried various things on that. I tried um, uh, a swimming club, not your least favourite one, but the swimming club. And I'd done okay, but put some on. So anyway, I came to start trying. Uh, I joined a gym close to where I worked and, and sort of had a few chats with a, with a PT up there. And, and he helped me out, get set up with a few basics on my fitness pal, things like that. And was very the important thing that happened there was, as, well, you know, you know him, he, you know, Bish. He, he's yeah. um, he, he he's he sort of made, made me feel comfortable in the gym because obviously when you're 28 stone, it's not a comfortable place to be. Um, and it was very helpful. And then I moved house and decided to join the local gym here. And when I signed up, they asked, they asked if I had any preferences for a coach. I said, I don't need, I want somebody who's going to tell me the truth. I don't need my ego caressing and them to tell me kind things. I need to, and they was like, you can have Paul. <laughs> like, okay. So that's, that's when I first met you when I moved, to, when I moved to the gym. Yeah. And you introduced me, showed me around, and you first noticed, two of the Parkinson's symptoms I'd been hiding. 
Because before we get diagnosed, we love to hide the symptoms. Pretend it's something else. It's coffee. Yeah. It's I've trapped it there because I'm so fat. You know, all things like that. Um, so we did that, and then I, uh, I still at that point thought I could do this on my own. I, I couldn't, but I'd sort of I'd managed to get down to about 23, 23 and a half stone, something like that. And at that time, I'd been going to the gym for about six months. So I'd seen you work with other clients. I'd seen your other clients online and I'd seen the sort of things you were doing. I'd also seen the sort of things you were posting. So I knew that, you know, and, and I think the, the most important thing was at the top of the stairs of this gym, they had a little CV of all the PTs. And on yours, it was a list of a lot of qualifications. I do, I Way beyond what anybody else had. And I, I knew I needed, you know, I wanted to have that level of expertise to hand. So that's when we that's when we started talking. Yeah. Talked about uh, the coaching. Um, again, at that time, I hadn't seen the real benefits to it. Um, so I thought we'd probably do this for about three months. <laughs> <laughs> Four years later. And then, and then that really turbocharged the weight loss. <clears throat> In some ways, as well, I think that the the training that we were doing, as I look back now, was quite very was fairly helpful to the um, undiagnosed Parkinson's that I didn't realise I had at the time. So that's I think that may have slowed the progression down, which made it you know, which, which meant I could excuse its presence for a little bit longer till the end of the pandemic to actually go and get it checked out. Yeah, we love to hard things though, don't we? Yeah. Oh, never going to the doctors. Now you saying that, like, until, I think until you got diagnosed, like, you don't realise that you're hard in it. You're just like, oh, it's, it is what it is. Like, it's been there a while. And, yeah. And, like, I think the, the same with, with um, I found with my ADHD, it's like, I didn't realise until I spoke to someone who knew everything as much as, as they can about it and can diagnose it. I didn't realise how much mm-hmm. I actually mastered it. And then you're like, oh, yeah. yeah. And you kind of, you kind of, it's almost, <laughs> it's almost like they've just sort of just stripped you of everything. You're like, well, mm-hmm. I, I have to face it now. Yeah, it's like somebody's just stood there and held a mirror up and said, look, yeah. look at it. Open your eyes. Like, no. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, I get it now. All right. So, obviously, I mean, since I think, what what weight were you when we signed up? What were 130 uh, but, kilos? Yeah, about 130. Was it 137, 133, something like that? Yeah, it was 137. So, we, you'd lost 40 kilos by yourself, which, I mean, fucking fair, fair play. Yeah, but in fairness, at that size, you've, all you've got to do is stand up from the sofa and you burn 200 calories. Okay, I mean, <laughs> at no point, at no point am I advocating that those calculations are correct. <laughs> I don't disagree yeah. with the premise. Um, I mean, one thing I did notice quite early on in the, in uh, once, once I'd signed up and got to that, because I think the, the coaching part of the journey is, is the most important because that's where I learned, learned, learned more about what I was doing. And that's where I got by far the more, the most success, much more than I ever envisaged. Yeah. So obviously, we, I mean, we've, how long, excuse me. So obviously we started at 137 and we got down to our lowest weight, what was it, 88, 87? Uh, yeah, 87, I think was the lowest. Yeah, because we just, I think we peaked at, 50 kilo weight loss together, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. And now, obviously, we're in better shape, but we weigh a little bit more. So, obviously, like. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I... go on. I am frozen. <laughs> so, obviously, through through the coaching process, what were the what was the what were the things that you found found beneficial, and what do you think? sort of led to that success? Um, it's difficult to pinpoint any one thing that I found particularly beneficial. Um, I think I think the most beneficial part of it is 
is I got to see consistent results week after week. There was always a little goal every week. It might be a bit more weight loss. It could be a bit more strength. It could be a number of PB, you know, training-wise. Yeah. And then as we talk about the training, even, you know, just the, just the check-ins every week, um, I'd learned something about, you know, and, and you'd guide, be able to push me to, if I was struggling with um, form on something. I mean, I've always struggled with me with my deadlifts, but the work we've done on core exercises the last three months, it's one of my favourite exercises now. And I hated it. Oh, I, I still do. Yeah. So, um, obviously, like, so we, we started, what, just the, the back end of 2018 area, didn't we? So, yeah. if, we, if we go back to that kind of that kind of area when was it 2021 you got diagnosed with parkinson's uh yes uh no well tooth it was august or july 2021 when i had the dat scan that identified it yeah um but i didn't get the call to tell me congratulations you've got parkinson's <laughs> until um i think it was late february of 2022 Okay, and obviously, oh, no, no, I think it was. I, I, I believe it was the fifteenth of March. That was a very specific date that sticks in your head for some reason. Why would that be? The Ides of the Ides, beware the Ides of March. Yeah, you know from Julius and, Caesar. So obviously, like you get a phone call saying you've got Parkinson's disease. Like what goes through your head? Yeah. Um, it was. It was a shock. It was a real kick to the guts. Um, the neurologist, he, he said, look, you know, you've got to be positive. Um, get get yourself active. Uh, eat well. Um, and, and then he starts mentioning other people with Parkinson's that have, you know, had a successful life, you know, that have led full life, you know, Michael Jackson. Uh, Michael Jackson. Muhammad Ali, Michael J. Fox, um, Alan Alda, you know, and a, a few others. So Billy, you know, he was he was trying to lift me up. Billy and Connolly I, got Parkinson's as well. What? Oh, Billy Connolly. Oh yeah, Billy Connolly. Yeah. Memory loss is another issue with Parkinson's. Ah, uh, bet between us, our memory's awful. <laughs> oh. So obviously, but, like you've, um, got, you've got a, you've got a call saying you've got Parkinson's. The neurologist has basically said, "All right, look at yeah, the I mean, four people that can do really well. Where does your mind go? What's your initial reaction? Yeah, your, your, your actions from that?" My my initial reaction was massive shock. Then it's like, as as with all you know, any situation like that, I'm then thinking, "What the hell do I do now?" And it's sort of running in my head. It's like, right, stay active, blah, 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 eat well. And I'm thinking, it's what I'm doing. That's become my hobby anyway. So then I think for a lot of people, I mean, I can't speak for anybody else that's been diagnosed, but my, I would imagine it's very much, you know, for a lot of people that are diagnosed, because the point in your life when you are diagnosed, you're diagnosed at an age when you're probably less active than you were when you were younger. So for most people, they've then got to deal with the diagnosis and then at an older age, starting to get active. And that's, you know, a couple of big hurdles to get over straight away. Well, I didn't have the second hurdle. I had to deal with a telephone call. That was it. And I thought, well, I know that I've had these symptoms since this, pretty much the start of my journey and I've done it with this. So there's nothing stopping me going to the gym tomorrow. There's nothing stopping me carrying on what I'm doing. I'm just going to carry on, push on. And yeah, it's not a weight loss journey anymore. It's let's see what I can do with Parkinson's sort of journey. Yeah. And, and it was, and it, and it was actually quite, although the decision was made probably within five, 10 minutes of receiving the diagnosis on the phone. Um, but actually getting myself into a position to really push forward did take a couple of months. I did, I did sort of, I won't say I, I struggled with it, but I, I needed to talk to a lot of people about their experiences, not just with Parkinson's, but with other neurological conditions. Um, and it was very, very helpful. Yes. Especially when you start finding other, you know, other people, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, 
at say the gym you go to that have, that have got you know other conditions and it's yeah so yeah. obviously like you've you've had a phone call and and i mean knowing you as well as i do like at no point would i expect you to have reacted overly negatively to a phone call like that i think mm. i think in your head you somewhat suspected um yes. along those lines anyway so you got diagnosed as a what did you get diagnosed at first it wasn't parkinson's but it was um no initially it was essential tremor um which falls under the similar sort of umbrella to parkinson's but you know and then obviously we crossed the threshold into parkinson's and yeah i think i think for me i was i was diagnosed with essential tremor because it was a nice little placeholder for me so i didn't excuse me panic about a possible further diagnosis and what what changed away from away from the gym, away from your healthy? And what changed when you got diagnosed? Um, physically, I think I don't think a great deal changed to my routine or how I felt. I became because I'd I'd had that mirror held up to my face, like this is it now. Stop hiding it. Yeah. Um, I think it was a few days later I decided to put a post online about it on my social media saying, right, I've got Parkinson's. I, I, I mean, I didn't know a great, I mean, I don't know a great deal about it now. I know a little bit more than I did. But so this is Parkinson's. I've got Parkinson's. And I've already sort of gripped my teeth and said, I'm going for this. And so sort of listed, this is how I'm going to deal, deal with it. And it's going to get, you know, my full bull-headed approach to it. Oh, it's not like you. <laughs> but it's okay, nice so... that, it's, in some respects, it's nice to have a target for that. Yes. Um, that I mean, target's never going away. No, it's sort of an on ongoing thing, isn't it, really? It's basically how far, Yeah. How how long can we keep beating Parkinson's up? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, at the end of the day, Parkinson's is going to win, but it doesn't mean I can't give it a little slap every morning. But is it? But is it? Well, it's it, let's, whatever let's I do. Face, I mean, without, without getting too graphic and too morbid, you could get hit yeah. by a bus tomorrow. So Parkinson's didn't win. Okay. True, but it's... It, it, all right, it, it has a progressive win. Each each day it's a little bit further on than it than it was the day before. Unnoticeably. It's noticeable over a year. Yes. Yes. So but it's I've the, got it's to say almost... well, because the level of training and everything we do, it's um it's slow. The progression has been very, very slow. Yes, and I think we I think obviously like being in it like we are, it's easy for us to sort of say, Oh yeah, it's been really slow. And there'll be people people Potentially listening to this with Parkinson's thinking, oh, what a lucky bastard, like it's slow. But I don't think yeah. slow has anything to do with luck for someone like yourself because the amount of graft that you put in over the years before the diagnosis has obviously given you the lifestyle mm. that attenuates a slow progression of Parkinson's. There's obviously outside factors and things like that, but like doing the amount of reading that I've done around Parkinson's, which is quite, quite a lot, but not as much as I... As as people probably expect, because there's so little around sort of nutrition and training for yeah. that. Um, I think it's it's a testament to how hard you worked previous to the diagnosis, and like I think it's testament to your to your head and like you said, your bullheadedness that you sort of just went, all right, well, yeah, I had a couple of months where I kind of had to find where I process it, and yeah other support networks and other people that I could lean on, which I don't Absolutely. think anybody would ever um, suggest is, is the wrong thing to do. So obviously, if I guess nothing really changed with what we were doing, did it really? Um, we added something, no. we upped your omega-3s, uh, made sure your vitamin D's, D level was high enough. But yeah. There was one thing that there was one thing that resonated with me when we when we first started was that picture of you on the top of the hill, 
um, where you told me there was a hill behind it. I can't remember what where it was. Was it Scotland? Yeah, or... it was. It was uh, in Lang Langdale. Just to get a little bit more comfortable. My legs gone dead. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was in it was in Langdale. Um, I'd managed to get up onto Lingwall Fell, which was only I don't know about four hundred odd meters up. Um, I mean, looking at the size of me, I, I, I remember walking up there thinking, everyone seems to be seems to be looking at us a lot, or you know, you're, you're self conscious of people staring at you. Then I actually saw the photo of myself on top of the mountain. I'm like. At the size of me, I had no business being up there. I was at a risk to myself getting myself up there. But that picture yeah, it was the, the Langdale Pikes behind, particularly Pike of Stickle. Yeah, so that picture, there was three peaks behind you, wasn't there? Yeah. Not the three peaks, there was three hills behind you. Not hills. Yeah. The, yeah, and it was. You pointed at one of them. I think it was the smallest one, wasn't it? And you were like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll still do that again. Yeah, and it was it, this was just before I signed up for coaching because you you commented on the picture saying we'll soon have you up there, and I was like, mm, will we though? <laughs> Not sure. And then it was you know last summer um, after I'd been I mean obviously I've been diagnosed a few months at that point. I decided you know because I I enjoy hiking I really enjoy the Lake District, Snowdonia, and and, and the Highlands. Um, but I thought all that stopped. Anyway, I went back to the Lake District uh, last summer and it wasn't a, a, so much a folly you know sort of thing. I was like, I wonder what I can actually do. And I climbed Pike of Stickle, then onto uh, Thunderknot behind it and High Rays back down to the campsite. I think all in all, I think it was about... 750 to 800 metres of elevation gain with a pack um, and about 15 kilometres of distance. So at the end of it, I sat and thought, well, if I'm still doing that, I've been sort of Parkinson's symptoms for a few years. I really can't complain. Yeah, and doing all three of those. It was a very, it was was lovely. All the photos I've got, I, I took some selfies of me on top of the mountains and on the walk. Everyone, I am grinning like an idiot. Because I am, because I, I was, that was living the dream. I was up somewhere where I never thought I'd be again. Yeah, and obviously that that initial picture, which had those three in the background, you told me yeah. you'd be happy just walking up the first one, the smaller one, right? Oh, oh yeah. And then, how many times did it go? How long after that was it before you just went and considered it a warm up? What the the what the what that I originally did, I, I would cons- yeah. I mean that that is something I'd just rake off without any trouble. The one the one up Lingmore fell. That's that'd be a stroll out now. Yeah. At the time, it was God. It was I think on that day, if I remember the Fitbit measured my calorie burn. My calorie burn for that day was I think. About ten and a half thousand calories. What when you did all three, or when you just did the one? When I just did the one, when I was big. Can you imagine? I mean, I can yeah, I mean, see if I can. I'll see if I can. Um, I'll see if I can dig the picture out and attach it to the podcast. To be fair, because it'll be, it's an eye opener. Because, like, I I don't think either of us at the time thought you were stupid massive. We knew you were big, but. That picture just, it's not a good picture. No, oh, it's not a good picture. All that picture, that picture was another one of those moments that helped to motivate me for the next step. Because I stood there and thought, I felt okay. You know, I, I didn't feel as big as, and I saw the photo and my guts hanging out the front of my shirt. I'm like, oh, wow. Wow. That was a real slap in the face for me. Brilliant. So, on top of all the hiking stuff, and I know that you've done, um, quite long hikes alone you've done lone hikes where you've yeah. camped over and things like that which is brilliant because it's something that i know that you've loved since you were in the army a long time mm. so on top of that let's talk about the photo shoots yeah so obviously we obviously we've discussed that you've, you've lost 50 kilos from highest to lowest yeah. weight with 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 the coaching that that we've done 
And we've done two photo shoots, haven't we? So the first one was more of a, oh, let's do a photo shoot and let's see where we are. Because it'd be a nice comparison yeah. between those photos, like the one at the top of the hill, to a little bit more trimmed, a little bit more um, tanned, shall we say, a chocolate tan. And then yeah. <laughs> also we took some pictures in suits and stuff. And the whole aim of that photo yeah. shoot wasn't really to show off how lean we were or... Mm-hmm. Uh, how muscular we were or anything like that because yeah at the time we, we particularly weren't really like we'd lost a fucking shit ton of no, weight. I was, Don't get me I was wrong. smaller but a similar shape yeah Just and then the we came we came back the next year did we not we did and, and it was I would say <laughs> fucking hell so after John's first shoot I think I said to you at the time that those shoot pictures are now our before pictures yeah. And if you if you put John's initial pictures, like his first ever pictures together with his latest shoot pictures or even the gym photos he takes now, you're like, if he didn't have a white beard and look a little bit like Santa, you'd be like, hmm, that's not the same guy. Yeah. Whereas if you put your shoot pictures with your shoot pictures or again, even after the gym pictures that you show me now for your progress, you'd be like, fuck, mm-hmm. that guy's done like well. And then we realised... Yeah. Between those two shoots, there was only a year. And the difference yeah. we made in that year sort of it comes full circle really because it was it was the mental attitude you had after your after your diagnosis. And you were just mm. like, I'm not letting this beat me. And it's happened a couple of times. And let's talk about about six weeks ago, where you had that realization of you've got more to give. Yeah, I was. That was a a strange one, and I seem to get them every now and again. Um, I've been going through the the training, and I was. It, it's it's difficult sometimes to gauge where you are physically with Parkinson's because it lies to you every morning. You spin the wheel of of shithousery uh, to see what symptoms you're going to get and what strength on that particular day, and it could be any mix. Um, so it, it lies. In the morning, it, 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 it lies. It tells me I'm too tired. I ache. Oh, no, you've definitely got an injury. You can't get up and train today, John. That's, 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 ooh, that's not good. And it's nonsense. You know, 99 times out of 10, it is absolute nonsense. So you get up, you stretch off, you train. And as I'm training, and I, I was still, you know, lifting some pretty, pretty decent weights. And I thought, I was looking at the, the sets are thinking, right, I'm picking a weight. I'm doing four, say four sets of 15. Why am I still doing like 13, 14 on the fourth set? That means I'm not working hard enough in the first set. I'm saving me energy in the first three sets so that I can just squeeze out enough in the last set. Well, no, let's start. I'm not putting enough effort into the beginning part. So, you know. I've got the energy. I feel strong enough. I'm not going to be stupid and say, right, well, let's start doubling the weights of everything. I'll sort of build it up, you know, gradually, because my partner, Sarah, does like to remind me when I get home that I am 52 years old and I do actually have Parkinson's. So, you know, I do need to consider these things sometimes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was, and it was a strange one. And it's as I, as I sort of, I went through the process, ignoring all the physical factors of sort of age, condition, and things like that. I thought, yeah, I could definitely give more. And it was almost like a twenty-one-year-old me was was making the decision without thinking about these other things. So then I, I sat down later on and thought, Do you know, I, I I actually could could give more. I wonder what I could achieve if I could give more. I wouldn't because I am quite a curious person as well, and a lot of this pushing myself is. I wonder how far we can actually take this. Yeah, and then I think we had a call that night, didn't we? We caught call yeah. that night, and you were just like, "Watch this space." Yeah, absolutely. And I'm pretty sure between what well, it, it was five six weeks ago now, I think, and between yeah. then and now, how let's take deadlifts for example, because I know you used to hit them and I've almost always put them in your program. Um, what's the difference between six weeks ago and now? 
uh, six, six weeks ago, I was doing uh, four sets of eight on about 60, 70 kilos. And I'm doing them. Uh, I did a set of eight on with 100 kilos this week, followed by a set of six because my legs were really starting to go then. But then moved down to 90 and completed it. So I felt I was doing the same number of reps at the end, but I'd managed to really, you know, I'm really hitting hard early on. But that's a, you know, I'm, I, I weigh anywhere between 89 and 91 kilos. So deadlifting 100 kilos, again, you know, at my age, I'm, I'm quite pleased with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> especially when, especially when, when we look as far back as like the initial start of your journey when you sat on the toilet. Um, oh. like 177 kilos. Like losing, mm. uh, at one point we had lost half our body weight, or half. Yeah, body. absolutely. And you, yeah, at one point, I lost just over half. And you've now lost me and then some. Mm -hmm. Lost a whole pole, or <laughs> two and a bit Odin's. Um, because he's about he's about seventy two. If there was two of them, so yeah. Um, so obviously, with the with the success of losing, essentially another one of you right now. Yeah. What What would you say? Like, let's come away from the Parkinson's. Yeah. As much as we can, I guess it's, it's just something that we've always got to consider. But what would you say? Like the biggest uh, positive has been from everything that you've done. Wow, the biggest positive. Um, there's so many positives. It's difficult to narrow it down. Um, I mean, first of all, I can buy I can buy clothes that fit. You know, our previous was was a sixty inch waist. There's not many places you can get clothes at that sort of size. That's if I went over the belly. Most of the time, I was tucking my belly over the top and buying extra long shirts to cover it almost like a calf tan. Um, but yeah, denial. <laughs> so All being right. able to buy clothes in, in sort of normal shops was was really nice. What size? Uh, what size t-shirt or, or top wear you are you biggest? Uh, I think the biggest I was was I think I was a fifty-eight inch chest. So that's about a five XL. And what are you now? Medium. Okay. And I think I'm about a 40, 42 chest and I'm a 30 inch waist. It's like it's almost the same as me. I know. I know the, the, well, the funny thing is, is I still have what I call sort of fat brain. Is if I'm walking through a, and it, it's only really changed in the last six months to a year. I'm walking through like a car park at a supermarket and there's a gap between cars. I still don't think I can fit through. Even though I could fit through, step side to side and still not touch the cars, I'm like, oh, I'm not going there. And I have to stop myself and say, just walk through it, you idiot. So, you know, I still have a fear, of, I still have a small fear of booths in restaurants. So I was, I was going to say, like, obviously... With being the size that you wear, that it comes with quite a lot of complications in terms of just general life. Yeah. Like, let alone just being able yeah. to get around. But like it's this things mm -hmm. like sitting at a restaurant, airplanes, apparently gaps between cars are like a nightmare. Um, well, airplane, airplanes is another one. If I could just jump in here, because that was another thing that had happened um, just a couple of weeks before you know I'd weighed myself and I started the journey. I'd been on a flight um, uh, for business and uh, I had to have the um, extension on the weight, on the seatbelt. Yeah. And when you sat there, obviously in a, on a budget airline, you are getting a lot of stares because the, nobody wants to sit next to me. Absolutely no. And you're going to, whoever you get, whoever I got sat next to me was going to be the most miserable person going and that, you know, you're going to get a. You're going to be able to sense the the hatred for you, and then to be sat there saying, "Excuse me, can I have a seatbelt extension?" That was like, "What am I doing?" 
I mean, don't get me wrong, I considered going on Amazon and buying my own seatbelt extension, but I decided to do something about the actual problem instead. <laughs> it's the beginning of hiding. So, obviously, I mean, that comes on to like quite a, quite a good topic for us, obviously, with, with the implications that it can factor into yeah. just life that someone like myself will touch wood, never really have to go through. But mm. do you, obviously, you said fat brain. And obviously in your head, yeah. you were like, all right, well, there's still gaps that you couldn't get through, even though you quite could. Yeah. Do you mm-hmm. ever feel like, do you ever feel like there is a part of you that would ever relapse back to previous state? Um, yeah, there's always, uh, the, the demons that got me there in the first place are not dead. They've just been put away. And there are, you know, although the the whole journey really, and and I achieved what I wanted to achieve in that I changed behaviours. And because I changed behaviours and I sort of went went to the trouble of actually learning about what I was doing, I can see these, you know, these demons crop up a couple of times a month, even now, but I know how to slap them down. And when you say the crop up, what, you know, I, I, what does that mean? Um, well, well, for for instance, the the demon the demon always is hunger. Hunger will make you do some strange things, and if you are desperate for food, you will eat absolutely anything. Um, and that is, and and I'm I'm terrible for that. If I if I don't get me my meal timings correct, then I'll be stopping on the way home getting the biggest fish and chips even though back of my mind you don't eat that much now John but because I still think that's what I eat the amount I eat and I'm hungry the rational part of my brain isn't saying go get a banana to tidy up until you get home and then have your proper meal yes it's almost like your brain's gone to that yes it's almost like your brain's gone to that loop that it used to have as it just there she's gone all right we're hungry so we must be doing this again yeah yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And, and it's controllable. Don't get me wrong. It's it's not like some something takes over and it's un- it is controllable, and it gets easier to control every time it happens as long as long as you recognise what it is. And that's that's the the key, I think, for change the whole process of changing behaviours, changing about the way you think about food, nutrition, your exercise, energy in, energy out, things like that. And is there ever a part of you? Um, and this might be a might be a false question, really, because of, of the Parkinson's, and, and there's a another factor to this. But is there some ever some part of you that's just like, all right, today I'm just it's just a no from me. I'm not going to track my food. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go to the gym. I'm not gonna exercise. I'm not gonna do all that because today I just can't be asked. Yes. I mean, it is another interesting thing, you know, that you've talked on the same on the same line of things. In all the years I've been doing this, I don't think I think I may have got close to a one hundred percent week once, but I've never had a week that I'd call a one hundred percent week where I've been pretty much close on all my macros, the overall calories, the exercises, and my steps. So. So you've never had a hundred percent. Yeah, I've never, I've never had, ever. Hey, don't get me wrong. Sorry, you froze. You've never been perfect. You've never been perfect, no. No, absolutely no. But the thing is, you. I see it more when I actually talk to people face to face when I haven't seen them for a while and they've seen my photos or they're like, "Wow, you've changed. What you know? What you've done? You must have done this." You know, and they have the con, they have the preconception that I'm doing something really strict and really tough and and sometimes I sort of say well it's you know it's a little bit every week you know it's a little bit every day that's it that's all we're doing is just trying to do a little bit you know for a long time it's more persistence than anything all Um, right so so you said that the the biggest positive um I I guess is is behavior change really and being able to fit yeah. in clothes that are on sale in normal normal shops, I use quotation marks. 
So you're not having. I mean, the, the other thing is when you, when you're really really big like I was then. I mean, things like putting uh, shoes and socks on were difficult. I couldn't get upstairs. So every time I had to get out of bed in the morning, I had to plan through my days to what I could and couldn't do, and how I could cheat my way into getting my socks on and my shoes on and my laces tied. Or you know, where am I going today? Do they have stairs? Have they got a, a, a an elevator? You know, you know, if I if I need something, if I'm going for something to eat, I'll probably grab something and eat in my car because I'm not eating in front of anybody. Yeah. So I mean, it was a lovely thing today when I was out with the granddaughters. Um, Sarah um, said, "Oh, do you want a couple of chips?" She was, I was like, "Yeah, go on then." So I, I ate a couple of chips, and I hadn't done that for years. And I said, "I don't feel guilty about doing that anymore." So I'm not the big guy thinking everyone's going to judge me because I'm having an, having chips. Um, coming back to sort of the elevator thing and stairs, and obviously if you're planning the fact that you're having to go upstairs when you go, mm. well, I think it's something that a lot of people, when especially when they say move more, eat less, and I think everybody's been guilty of it at some point, if not still are, where they're just yeah. like, oh, they have that misconception that anybody that's overweight is lazy. At what point... And obviously, I don't think you'll ever be able to pinpoint this, but at what point did it get to the point where going upstairs and not taking an elevator or an escalator just became completely unattainable for you? Um, it was surprisingly early on because because I'd, I'd decided once I was on the journey, certainly with the coach, it's like, right, I don't care what I look like anymore. This is this is my journey. I'm owning it. I'm sharing photos online. It's you know I I just don't care what you know if anybody sees me sweating and struggling for breath on on the second floor. What about the other way? Obviously, you know, like when you when you were putting the weight on and all your all these demons were playing havoc with your hunger levels uh, and fish and chips and stuff. At what point and how how big were you? Before you just said actually like I can't do stairs anymore because of joint pain, like just fatigue, sweat, breathlessness? It, it was it was gradual. Um, I avoided it. I think it was probably the six the six months before I started on the started on my journey. That's when I put on the most weight. That's when I think I'd gone up from about twenty six stone to twenty eight. And I think the speed of that had been so quick um that, that was another thing that, that got me started on it so being not being able to go up the stairs um yes i've struggled for 10 years to go upstairs but not being able to do it was probably the last six months before i before yeah. i really you know start on the journey yeah i mean obviously i think it's something that someone like myself and quite a lot of other people who have uh, misconceptions about people that are overweight something that we mm. might take for granted is the fact that like i mean i could i could run upstairs all right i'll be a little bit out of breath but i can run upstairs i can walk upstairs i can get there so i don't have to plan my day about yeah. all right, how many times i stay there how many times do i have to go up and downstairs and it's it's, mm. it's those factors that a lot of people uh one we, like i said we take for granted but we don't sort of perceive as an issue because we've never had that yeah yeah um and then you said another thing which i can't remember mm. Um, after the stairs thing about feeling guilty. So, oh yeah, um, I mean, that's, if you go out anyway, if you go to a party. If there's a buffet, you've got to be the last one in the queue. You can't be anything. If you're a big guy, you can't be anything but the last person. And with you these... can't go back for a second plate. Even if everybody goes back for a second plate, you actually can't. <laughs> so with these, were these thoughts always there? Were these thoughts just yeah, like a constant, all right, well, I can't do that because yeah. someone's going to call me fat? Yeah, and that makes the situation worse because you go find comfort in food. So you eat a bit more. And then you get a bit worse. Then you think, and then you start to pick yourself up and then you see yourself in a mirror. You're like, what have I done? So you go and get something to eat. 
And oh, the worst one for me was drinking. Alcohol? Yeah, I, I hid behind alcohol for a while. Yeah. You like vodka straight, don't you? Ukrainian vodka. Yeah, well, I think that I think a lot of that came from doing... I still do a lot of business in Eastern Europe, and uh, back in the early 90s, you couldn't you couldn't shake a hand with a sawmiller without, even if at 8 o'clock in the morning without having a shot of vodka with them. It was a crazy time. I go to Bratislava on Thursday. Don't tell me stuff like that. Um, <laughs> but they do have much better quality. The quality of vodka is fantastic if you get the right stuff. I've still got one of those bottles of vodka you gave me. Have you got that milk? That milk vodka's very, very good. Um, the Ukrainian one that you gave me, the green bottle? Uh, the green bottle? No. Not the green one. I can't think which one the green one is. But I'll dig it out. I'll dig it out and um, and show you it. Um, so coming back, obviously the pos- one one of the positives, like you said, is is sort of being able to shop in normal clothes, not feel judged, not have people yeah. assume that you're the fat guy. So that well, see that you're the fat guy and like look at you, stare, judge you, mm-hmm. all these negative connotations that come with being being overweight. Like, let's talk about the skin. So obviously we've done two photo shoots and the yeah. first photo shoot we didn't do any topless, did we? But the second one, it was a first thing. No, the, the, it was it, the first one, it was a struggle to get my shirt off. It, you managed to get my shirt off for a, a shot of me on a triceps pushdown, but I was not keeping my shirt off at all on, on the first one. I, I did not enjoy that part. No. So I was obviously still self, even though I'd lost a lot. And I was there with people that I would consider to be, you know, proper athletes. You know, they were there with six packs and everything. I'm there, sort of saggy, still a bit fat. And what changed between that and the second shoot? Because there's, there's well, the On, atmosphere was still the same. Uh, ongoing support. Um, I've got the right people around me. So, you know, family, friends, colleagues, uh, yourself. I go to the right the right gym and the you know the great members down there as well so that you're constantly getting that support you're getting help from areas that you don't realize you're getting help from sometimes and you get further and you know more you know further on and then you look back like you said look back at your progress photos see how far and then it's like good god i've done that in three months can't believe you haven't noticed because it's just a little bit every day yeah. and then when i came back for the second show um, because I knew what to a bit more about what to expect. Literally, it was like right shirt off. I'm in. <laughs> and um, obviously, let's talk about the skin. So yeah. obviously, we've got loose skin. I mean, we've lost ninety kilos pretty much there or thereabouts. Yeah. So, how do you feel about that skin when you look at yourself? Well, the, I don't actually have a great deal of loose skin. I don't have loose skin really on my legs or my arms. I've I've just got it on uh, a little bit on my chest, uh, particularly the left side and my stomach. And the roll of skin underneath my stomach that I, you know, my partner and I jokingly refer to as my sporran. And how do you feel to that? How do you feel about your loose skin? Big feelings. I'd I'd love to see what what it looks like, you know, with the excess skin removed. I'd love to see how, you know, I'd like to know how much weight there is in that skin because that would be interesting to know what my actual body weight is. You know, rather than body weight plus, you know, an empty rucksack strapped to the front of me. Um, so, but the other side of it is, it's a badge of honour. I don't look at it with with shame. I sort of look and think, I've emptied that. I think, I think with that, and I have this quite a lot with my um, mums that I train about stretch yeah. marks and the pouch that they have and things like that. And it it's such it's, I think it's normalised so much that it's a negative that we subconsciously right. think that it's a negative. So right. I know that I know that when you look at your skin, it's it is kind of a all right, yeah, I'd like to know what I look like without it. But I also know that it's like yeah. a reminder of how far you've come. Yeah. 
And I think that should I be mean, the other thing is, pregnancy as well. Yeah, I mean, because of how much I have changed physically, if I didn't have the excess skin, nobody would believe I'd lost the weight. They'd think it was two different people. To be fair, like if you walked in in a suit, yeah, and you, the skin was was not visible. I don't think anybody had ever questioned that they're two different people. Yeah, I mean, the, the other thing that's helped with the excess skin is because I don't have a lot of skin. The work that we're doing, because now we're starting to build some muscle as well. Um, so I mean, I can see that my chest's sort of getting bigger and lifting, and my back's getting broader as well, and that in itself is sort of lifting the skin a little bit. It's not quite in place. I mean, don't get me wrong, my left, my left uh, nipple is, well, that's just having a little trip of its own around the right left side of my body because it's not where it should be. But that is your parky side, so we'll let it off. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. But the other thing is I, I actually held more body fat on that side and still do than the other side. And that is, I don't know if it's related to the Parkinson's. I probably ought to ask the neurologist. Be interesting to know. Yeah. So, so obviously, like this journey's been a lot longer than the four years that we've we've worked together. And yeah, I mean, I think we've we've both learned a lot about ourselves and and about each other mm-hmm. in that time frame because, um, yeah, it's um, there's a lot. Uh, there's been a lot to it. Let's face it. There's been a lot of <laughs> lots hands in it, shall we say? And yeah. Like if if someone said to you, "All right, well, you've just hired a coach." Like, what were the feelings when you first hired or first came to me? Obviously, I know you worked with Bish a little bit before, and he showed you basic habits and the, and the the routines that you need. But when you first started with me, what were the what was the the feelings? What did you expect? Were you skeptical? Did you think that you could do it? Was it something that? You oh did? yeah, I, I was I was skeptical, skeptical, very skeptical from the beginning. Thought, right, what's what's this all about? coaching for food for food of all things i know to eat well then then you sit and think actually i don't that was the issue John. i've got a mirror i clearly don't know how to eat <laughs> what i know to do is inhale food yeah i guess um yeah so yeah you come into it i came into it skeptical because it's something i've never come across before i didn't know what, what on earth it was all about and it was, you know, as as you go past each sort of level, it's like, actually, this is pretty good. I see how this works. And, uh, and certainly, you know, a, a bit of me was, because as uh, we kind of, we were starting to get towards the end of the weight loss part of the journey. And it was like, I'd like to carry on the coaching, but do I carry on coaching or not? And then I got the diagnosis with the Parkinson's and of course, well, Parkinson's in itself likes to throw a curveball every few weeks and it'll, so we, we have to attack it from different angles and there we are. We're, you know, so the the journey and if you like, has now taken a different course but the coaching again is it's, it, it, I said it's essential for me you know, as, as to where I am. Because the coaching I have now and the effort I put in now will will be a massive benefit to me in the last five years of my life. That's I mean, I think that's that's good to hear because it's sort of that long longevity behind what you're trying to achieve yeah. as well. And if if I said to you, well, let's let's ignore the fact that you've lost 90 kilos. What would you say the biggest benefit of coaching actually is? What's, what's the what's the best thing that we've done together? The best thing being like, oh, fuck me, that really works. Ooh, what really works for me is, uh, and it's the only way I can describe this. I have control of my life. I control what I can do, what I can't do where I can go, and it's done through exercise and nutrition. If I decide I want to have a go at something, I want to try something that's ridiculous for my age, I can put a plan together with you. There are, there are no glass ceilings. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm living I'm living an intentional life instead of being a passenger on my way to the grave. 
so and that that is what coaching has given me i mean like for me i, I mean I, I think i've been smiling all the way through this so far and one because like from it's more than just client coach relationship that we've got but mm. two because i mean it's also i mean I, I put a post on it the other day about like how far you can you can look back and and reflect and like i can do that with clients and obviously like, this is just sort of brought back everything we've done together i mean we've been through covid together training and yeah i mean everything that you've that you've gone through and i know i know um some of the lengths we've gone to to maintain that relationship so mm. i mean it's brilliant it's brilliant to hear don't get me wrong i've 100 percent lost my train of thoughts so i'm just going to babble until it comes back all right um <laughs> I've done that twice already. <laughs> the, meds are, the meds are starting to wear off. Um, oh, yeah. What did you last say? Oh, I don't know. Oh, you pat your parky brain's coming in. Um, yeah, let's just go for a silence for a little bit. Silence. Um, yeah, so it allows you to do what you want when you want to do it, right? Yeah, and, and actually the other thing it does as well for this point in my journey is because I'm now attacking Parkinson's disease, is it's it's given me the confidence to go at it. You know, it's like right, you know, Parkinson. I, I see lots of other posts online and people really struggling with what do I do? How do I do this? And we've got a plan like right, this is cropped up. Right, bang, straight at it. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, it's come back to me now. So obviously. Um, the video do not go out of this, but John's got a Parkinson's UK t shirt on. Um, so this this year, and obviously it's Parkinson's Awareness, Awareness yeah. Month right now. And this year, we're doing you're doing the whole um climb Everest challenge, climb Everest anywhere, yeah, the Everest anywhere challenge, yeah, which is what 20 is it 28,000 feet, 29,072 feet, I think it is, which is 8,848 meters. So it's to climb the height of Everest in one year uh, by adding up the height ascended of all my sort of hikes, mountain hikes, things like that. Yeah. And obviously, like you said, it's it's sort of giving you the ability to control how far and and you want to go with your fitness and nutrition and stuff like that. But it's also giving you the ability to just do stupid shit and not be like, oh, I definitely can't do that. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, that was the other thing in... Because Parkinson's affects the the balance, um, I'd gone on a hike in, last summer and I intended to do a particular uh, route up a mountain. And when I got, got there, I saw that there was a, a scramble, which is kind of like hiking on all fours, where it's too steep to walk, but it's not quite a climb. Yeah. Uh, and there was a couple of sheer, there was a sheer drop at one side, and I didn't want to do that. So I promised my partner I wouldn't take unnecessary risks. So I was able to go around. So I found another air, another room that didn't go where I wanted, but I was able to do a bit of practice scrambling in a much safer environment. And then for three or four days afterwards, my balance was absolutely fantastic. So I, I got to discover what helped to conquer that that symptom, and I've forgotten why we started on that. Yeah, and it's because we do stupid shit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and so that was the other thing. So I'm doing this, the Everest Anywhere Challenge, and you're raising funds for Parkinson UK on Just Giving. Um, but what I'm going to try and do as well is uh, use it to, to take some photos, you know, go on some interesting and challenging routes that I maybe shouldn't be, well, not that I shouldn't be on, but that you wouldn't expect me to be on. You know, maybe do a bit of wild camping, go, you know, have a multi-day wild camping in the Scottish Highlands or something. Something that will help me to promote um, exercise and Parkinson's online so that, you know, other people, you know, I'm not an expert on it. I haven't had my diagnosis long and there are plenty of people that have had it for a lot longer than me that know far, far more. But because I've had such a good experience of the actual diagnose, being diagnosed and how I, how I was able to deal with that because of the circumstances around it, I do feel that by doing these things, I can help other people that get that kick in the guts when they're told that they've got Parkinson's disease. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can only imagine the the 
the panic that can befall mm. someone when they do get the diagnosis. And it's amazing to sort of see that out of everything that you've done and all the, the negatives that could easily be thrown throughout, you sort yeah. of said, actually, let's make this into a positive. Yeah. Because yeah, it, absolutely. It, it was, it very... like, I, I sat there and thought, I've got something to... I really genuinely felt like I had something to give on it and thought, let's see where this can go. Let's really push. Because so... the other thing I thought about is maybe there's not so much information about how, you know, if you push really hard. Because when I spoke to all the professionals, they were like, the sort of exercises they were talking about is that you can do this as a general, and it was less than what we were doing as warm-ups. And then... They were talking about, um, and then as it progresses, you can do more targets to the symptoms. And, and I sat there and thought, well, what if I did all of that now? Surely that would slow it down a bit more. Then you start to get into the mindset of like, how much can I actually do? And how, you know, how much does, does is it not known, you know, how, you know, if you push it really hard, is there more benefit than, than you know, they might realise. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and, and obviously, like... Find it out. Yeah, I think with the research, it's really hard to do the studies on it because, like, ethically, if you do something, it makes people worse or make people progress faster. It's like, hmm, probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah. So that's, that's, yeah. It's one of the reasons there's very little on Parkinson's, especially when it comes to the exercise and, and how hard you want to be pushing. Mm-hmm. But obviously, I mean, we've put things in place that, that we... Uh, I say we, that sort of we've looked at the research of other neurological diseases and been like all right well what what is going to help us like increasing the fats that you eat increasing the omega-3s yeah. that have your vitamin d all these things that come hand in hand when things like um ms and yeah. um some mnd stuff but there's obviously like i said there's so little research on the neurological things and i think that's one one benefit having john on the podcast as well yeah is not here is like he's doing a PhD in neuroscience, which is another day like really smart and really cool. Yeah. And way beyond the level that me or you could even probably fathom. But it oh, does help yeah. having that I second opinion that. from that side. And and I know that you've got access to the information in his head, which is invaluable to me at times. Yeah, I mean I've like with someone like yourself, I've got people that I rely on when sort of yeah the things that crop up that I'm just like, fuck me, I don't know that. That I can then go to someone and be like, actually, like, this person will have an idea. Yeah. I'm lucky that I've also got the support network that you spoke about earlier. So, I mean, I've well over an hour, and I'm pretty sure on the first ever podcast of this, I was like, oh, yeah, we'll keep these under 15 minutes. Keep 15 minutes. Might have to make eight, this eight podcasts. So, if... If someone said to you, John, what do you think about um, signing up for coaching? What would you say in two sentences before you go on for another 20 minutes? Uh, do it. Try it. it, it you, it's, it's, you've probably never tried anything like it before. So say, so, right, I'm going to see where this gets me in three, four, you know, six months or whatever. Um, for me, I looked at how was I going to afford it? Well, I was going to two rugby matches a month, spending God knows how much on booze, and the tickets, and I sat and thought, well, those two things are going to be fighting against each other. So I've just started making little little changes to the budget that, that helped, you know, make it affordable. That was it. Uh, but, yeah, I'd, 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 you know, recommend everybody to, to give it a whirl. And what's the if you if you don't know if it, you know if they don't know if it works, just have a look at the progress photos. And I think if... I, I think those two I sent you that showed the four years of free advice and the four <laughs> years of coaching. Yeah. And if you've still got those, I think that speaks volumes for it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, I think, I think when you sent that, it, it kind of just hit home, really, didn't it? Um. Yeah. But obviously now we're on like a completely different journey to when we started on. Now it's all about increasing yeah. the control that you have over your own body and obviously reducing Parkinson's symptoms. And if anybody could, like if you wanted anybody to sort of find the link for your Parkinson's and some of the stuff that you're doing about it, where would they find that? 
uh, on my Instagram, which is uh, at um, what is your Instagram at at the underscore mountain underscore ape. Yeah, I looked like one when I was bigger. <laughs> yeah, and Santa Claus. So don't forget that. Yeah, um, we couldn't have shaky Santa. No. Um, I remember when, when we were doing the Zooms during lockdown, one of my mates was on it and he was like, I don't think you muted your mic. And he was like, all I could hear was Santa breathing down my, <laughs> in my ears. <laughs> well, that was when we were doing the online uh, training sessions. I was, so obviously, because we were doing sort of, we, we didn't have access to the gym during lockdown. So it was all what we had around the house and using different things. So a lot of it was sort of body weight. And I didn't realise how bold, or bad my balance had become. Benefit. Yeah, I was like, no. I couldn't work out what it was. Did I? <laughs> Along amongst many things. So, yeah. Um, thanks for this, John. I know that like on a Sunday night, you've probably got better things to do than just chat to me for what seems like coming up to an hour and a half. I'm, um, I'm fifty-two years old. I really haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nearly thirty-two, and I, I really don't. Uh, <laughs> so. As always, I want to say thank you. I mean, I don't think no matter how how much we talk about it, really, anybody anything could do the justice that what you've achieved in in what the f- four four and a half years with me, and and even prior to that, I don't think anything could do. Uh, I think we can safely say what we've achieved. Yes. Yeah, I'm just a signpost. You have to do the work. Yeah. Well, you. I didn't waste any time trying to work out what was going on. I could just pick the phone and say, why is this happening? And then I'm straight back on with it the next day. It's a good client. That's that's what you need in a client. Yeah. But no, um, thank you very much, John. Um, and yeah, thank you. hope people sort of actually get something from this. And I will speak hope to everyone so. next week. <laughs>